Elite Physique University, your source for all things physique enhancement. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Elite Physique University. I'm John Gorman, your host. Yeah, Jason Theobald back in the house. Jason, what's going on, man? How are you? Not too, uh, not too much going on. I mean, I'm kind of at a decent mood. We've had like uh, three days of sun. Like we even yeah. hit 67 yesterday. We're at like 52 today. I got to walk the dog and just get out of the house. All the snow melted. So it's not a bad Thursday. No, it's uh, we're about two weeks ahead of schedule. So by the time we record this and talk, people can look back and remember the, the fucking ice blizzard bullshit that we had where like oh God, Texas froze over and everybody's losing their mind down there because they don't have like salt trucks and stuff like that because they don't ever deal with it. So that whole week, like that hit. And then I was actually sick. So like everybody got sick and in our house, like we're operating on like bare bones and it was really bad. So I'm right there with you. I'm just glad that it's starting to get warm. The fucking ice and the snow's all gone and I'm not sick anymore. So I'm good. Now you haven't gotten sick or anything this year, right? Me? Yeah. No, no, well, we're good, man. Like you and I have no, no reason to fuck this podcast up. So no pressure. No. <laughs> well, we do have someone on the show, not, not someone that's new to the show, new to this show, but not new to podcasting, not with you and I. She's been on multiple podcasts, The Excellence Cartel, um, the old TNT podcast numerous times. She spoke at the Physique Summit, the Physique Education Collective. Hell, we did some first form camps, Lauren. Like you and I are no stranger to putting out content or you and Jason. So you're new to this show, but you're not new to doing content with us. What's going on? How are you? How's Tampa? Wait, we haven't done this? No, not not an elite physique university. Okay, they're all blending together because like we've done so many. Things. <laughs> Damn! All right, well, Tampa's good. No snow. Um, before like the the snow apocalypse hit, you guys, we had a few weeks where like for here it was cold. Yeah. Like yeah. it was like high thirties. Like that's oh wow for us, but obviously it doesn't snow. <laughs> um, but you know you got you kind of like get used to that and then now it's fucking hot as balls again so but all good we i take it i <laughs> i take for what we can get um but yeah everything's good over here uh just you know sunny hot working out in my garage all the things and i was sick too a few weeks ago but now back on the mend yeah so you and i you and i should be good for a while jason i think you're immune we were talking about this before the show you don't really yeah. get sick so you're lucky but Hopefully we're all healthy for a while. And speaking of Tampa, Lauren, we are going to be coming down there. Um, Jason and I, we've been talking about this on the show. We've got the Elite Physique University Seminar. You guys can check that out in the show notes. Lauren is going to stop by for the Q&A and jump in on the podcast. That's going to be fun. Um, yeah, we've, we've done quite a few of those in the past. So that'll be fun. Come ask your questions. Jason, we've only got like one super VIP ticket left. Um, okay. We've got the other one sold out. So we did just get someone to add that to the other. So we've got one of those left. If you guys want it, come train with us, do a private Q&A. You'll have a nice package of supplements from Fat Muscle and New Ethics. That will be fun. So, But back to Tampa, Lauren, um, give everybody kind of an idea of what you've got going on because you, we've been on all these other podcasts together and I've been on a podcast with you and Paul Talk about your podcast and what you have going on and your coaches. Yeah. So last March, actually, we made, we'd already been doing a podcast for a few months, but the format was a little bit different. And so we actually switched last March to every week we were going to put out two shorter podcasts and it was going to be me and one of the coaches 
and then we would all rotate. And then um, we've now brought on a therapist for the team. So we do content with three coaches. We, so we have like a coaching perspective and, you know, we go through kind of situational stuff that we would do. We have mental, you know, health related podcasts. And then occasionally we bring on guests. And honestly, I love podcasting. I love speaking. And last year when there was really no speaking events and stuff, it was just like, man, like I really miss this. So we really dove headfirst into the podcast and the type of content that we do, which like you guys get, just translates a lot better to long form content versus something like an Instagram, you know, which obviously like the flashy pictures, like it's the likes and all that, which is totally fine. Like that's the way that it works. But the type of messaging that we want to get across and how we like to coach is much better suited for long form content. So we've been really doubling down on that, which I'm really happy about. And the team is doing great. And, uh, you know, our coaches are awesome and everybody's good. So yeah, we have a team of three amazing coaches and myself, and we're actually going to bring on a intern who's coming up soon too. So just good stuff going on, but just kind of cranking along, just doing the normal stuff. <laughs> yeah. So if you do want to search the podcast, I'm terrible at plugging stuff. It's Team Local Fit Roundtable, and uh, it's no longer a roundtable, so we might need to change that name, but for now, that's what it's called. I'm, I'm going to put it in the show notes, so if you guys want to check, okay. I'll have all of Lauren's stuff in the show notes, guys. If you ever want to email her, if you want to check out her social, if you want to check out the podcast, it will all be in the show notes. You just click on that whenever you're done. Um, I, I do want to talk about this Q and a, so we've got four really good questions I've been holding on for a while. And I thought, you know what, this is going to be the perfect one. I mean, there's so many topics we could talk about, but Q and A's are pretty fun. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into this. So we've got Tampa, we've got Kentucky, we've got Missouri. So let's white trash this up the right way. Get some caffeine rolling. Listen, <laughs> listen, we're not fancy, right? <laughs> Let's, uh, let's kick this off. The first question comes from Dorothy Matthews. Love this question. Um, do you think bikini competitors need to drink intra-workout carbs during training or no? If so, what average amounts do you recommend? So Lauren, you're the guest here. We're going to go ahead and kick this off with you. What do you think? So as always, this is kind of like a, it depends question, right? right? And I would say that some rules, um, some just kind of basic rules and guidelines I would say that in an off-season period, most people don't need it, but it could be useful, right? Um, which most people would think, oh, well, I'm eating so many carbs, wouldn't that be a better time? Now, for clients who struggle with eating, it can certainly be a good thing because um, it's like, hey, have some carbs, you know, liquid carbs. This is really easy. It's a perfect time to have it. Um, you know, so for clients who have a lot of food, that's a really good option. Um, or if they're really trying to push stuff, but if they're kind of just eating at maintenance-ish and they're, they have a normal body fat level, um, I find that they're generally okay. Now, can it make a little bit of a difference? Yes. But where I actually see more of the difference is when somebody is dieting. So when you are more glycogen depleted and your body fat is a little bit lower and calories just in general are lower and you're maybe in a deficit with the cardio as well, I find that even like 10 grams of carbs intra-workout is a really, really big help. And to be realistic, most women are going to be on lower carbs because they're just on lower food. So when you get to a certain point, like you got to pull it, you know, like once you kind of get under that like hundred gram carb range, it's, it's kind of hard to spare ten, even 10 grams, right? Because you're just trying to, you know, get through the day. But I would say that, um, you know, in a normal dieting scenario, I can, I do find it really useful, um, more so in a dieting aspect than in a non-dieting aspect. However, yeah. every client kind of makes that decision. And I say, Hey, you know, 
if you don't want to do that, I totally understand. And some people really feel fine without it. Other people, it's like, oh my God, this makes a huge difference. So again, that's kind of where that client, you know, communication comes in. If they're really talking about being gassed out during training or they're really struggling, can't get a pump, can't do other things. Okay, maybe we should add this in. Other people are like, no, I feel really good with like my meal timing and everything's fine. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Jason? I mean, I think Lauren pretty much covered it. I mean, it's going to be individual, right? I mean, you know, if I get someone, here's where I have reservations with it sometimes. If I get someone that I don't think really knows how to train well yet, you know, like really get intense, I'm probably not going to give them intra cars. I'm going to put pre-post and give them some meal one and just balance their meals out better. Um, You know, someone's advanced uh, training properly. Um, You know, we get them to that point where they, they know how, what intensity is. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter what division you're in. You want to build muscle, right? So, I mean, it helps, um, uh, you know, less breakdown of the muscle tissue, um, while you're training, uh, so you're gonna recover faster usually. Um, so yeah, I, it, it it's going to depend. And then as far as amounts, I mean, again, like, are we talking, uh, five ten bikini girl who's maybe 170 pounds in the off season, or are we talking, um, a five one who's one twenty? You know, so the carbs might go from 20 to 40, you know, somewhere around there. Uh, You just have to play with it and see what's, you know, how things are progressing. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter to the vision. If you want to build muscle, there's a good reason for it. Just make sure you're training intense and and go from there. Yeah, I pretty much don't have a lot to add except for the fact that whether someone's figure or bikini or a women's bodybuilder, which I just don't see very much of hardly at all anymore in my side, because I almost have all natural women when that I do prep, like I just don't have a lot of that coming to me. Lots of bikini, lots of figure, some women's physique. It doesn't matter to me. I still have them take in intra-workout carbs. Just as it's one of the last places I pull just because insulin sensitivity is better around training. But I, I, that doesn't mean I think it's better. I just know insulin sensitivity is better. So I'd rather have them eating or drinking, you know, 15 carbs during their workout than having that, you know, later at night when they train in the morning, I just know that they're going to use the carbs better. And all the things Lauren said was spot on. Um, but sometimes I will pull it because some people just, they want to chew their fucking food when they get their calories that low, like Lauren is saying, they're like, you get down to a hundred carbs, you know, if, if someone wants to chew their food, I'm like, cool, put it pre your post. And I'm okay with that as long as it's, you know, around there. So I don't really have anything else to add to you guys. Yeah. No. The one thing as always, you know, what is the adherence of the client looking like, right? Like, right. are we looking at, you know, are we talking about intracarbs where we really need to be talking about like regular dietary adherence, like across the week, <laughs> you know, right. like where are we pulling things from? Um, and if, if that small amount is, you know, making that big of a chain for somebody, which, you know, it seems like it wouldn't, but sometimes just a small deviation can really throw somebody the other way. It's like, all right, we're just not even going to worry about it. the same thing with refeeds. You know, refeeds are great for a lot of clients, but some people don't respond as well to them. So why are we going to keep saying, have a refeed when then you always want to overeat afterwards? Like there's negligible differences and I appreciate the differences, but it's not enough of a difference for you then to go overeat <laughs> and completely go off the diet. So we want to avoid those types of things. So it really just comes down to communication with the client. Um, real quick, I, I know someone out there is wondering because they haven't done this. So we might have a few people there. Just what carbs do you recommend intra workout? I like dextrose. It, 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 it dissolves immediately. It bypasses basically digestion. Um, and in small amounts, it's not going to cause stomach upset and it's fucking cheap. So I like to recommend that. Do you guys really care? Do you recommend anything to clients? 
it's yeah it's kind of one of those things what, what's the one that i'm thinking of it is cyclic dextrin right the yeah yeah, yeah. Digestive, but yeah that's generally um obviously i would say that's probably one of the better ones um but even something something like hey just like drink half a gatorade or something you know like if it's really going to come down to it that might be useful for somebody some people don't tolerate those types of sugars very well um it obviously depends on the client and if they're having like gi upsets we're not trying to do that either right. <laughs> um but for most people, yeah, I would say that kind of the stick with dextrin or anything like that, dextrose. Yeah. Easy. Jason, I know you're big on Gatorade. Any other? Yep. Any other I stuff? use Gatorade personally. I have a lot of people use it. Um, but um, when I was up to, I was doing like 150 intracarbs for a while. I was doing a mix of carbolin and then like two Gatorades. Um, Is that the sweet potato one? What? Carbolin? Yeah. No, I believe it's rice-based. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe. Right. Rye is obsessed with that. Oh my God. Like <laughs> that's the one I use. Um, it always kind of sat really well with my stomach and, and so does Gatorade. So, you know, sometimes people, you know, don't do as well with cyclic dextrin. Sometimes people don't do well as carbolin. Um, there was a few others on the market. I don't know if they're out anymore and I'm blanking on their names, but you know, if the first one doesn't really sit well with you, try adding more water. If it still doesn't, then try a different one. But I mean, Gatorade works really well. Yeah, it's it's half it's half basically sugar and then dextrose, so it's yeah. it it absorbs really fast. I always tell people try to avoid the ones that take a while to break down. I mean, they're all kind of fast, but like you have like oat starch powder, like don't take shit like that. Maltodextrin, I think, bloats the shit out of everybody. I've yeah. seen that a ton. Um, a lot of those, I just tell people to avoid. If you feel bloated, try something else. But it seems like the ones we named are all all going to be good. Let's uh. Let's move on to this next question. This is this is kind of a fun one. This talks about things from the coaching aspect, but it's also it can it can happen to athletes and it can happen just in life in general. So Robert McDaniel sent this one in. I recently have had some decent success as a coach, and I've gotten wind of a couple of other coaches talking bad about me. I don't do really well with this. I run a good business and I have no drama. I'm worried this will hurt my business. Any advice on what I should do if this doesn't stop? And I thought this was kind of interesting to talk about because, listen, we've all been doing this for a long time. We've got successful coaching companies. We've all seen this at some level or another. Um, have you all ever had a time where other coaches are just talking bad about you and you were worried about it hurting your business? And then what did it, what actually really happened? I've had it happen, but I've never retaliated. I just deleted off my Instagram. I, I know uh, there was one guy, I'm not going to discuss names. He's his health isn't too good right now, but he liked to give everyone shit. That's just what his stick was. And, um, but he would come on my Instagram and, and just make stupid comments about bodybuilders and just different shit. I just always deleted it. I, I really don't care. I don't have time to banter back and forth with idiots. And that's my advice. Like delete it, move on. If you're doing well in business, who gives a fuck? Lauren, have you had other coaches, like as you've gotten more successful, have you had them kind of try and hurt your business, talk bad about it? It's, it's kind of, I think that's the gist of his question here. I I don't know about other coaches, um, maybe, right? And I just, I haven't heard of it or I'm just kind of oblivious to it. Um, but, you know, I've, I've certainly had times where, you know, like a client will leave and then you think like, oh my gosh, well, you know, what did I do? Or obviously clients come in and out all the time. That's just kind of the reality of like what we do. Um, but not necessarily like talking. Bad. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so no, that personally hasn't happened to me that I'm aware of. It might've happened. And I just, I'm just oblivious to it. Um, but what I would say 
in those types of situations is kind of like what Jason, you know, you, you just need to move past that. Um, those types of people, if they're, they're actively seeking out saying negative things about you, it's like, all right, twofold. One, if it's just really nasty for no reason, then you just kind of need to move on from it. Sometimes though, there could be some, something to learn from it though, right? When people are saying negative things, generally there's a, some grain of truth to it, right? Whether we want to hear it or not. So in a situation where somebody, you know, might feel like they're attacking you because that's how you feel. Now, if it's something like, oh, all bodybuilders are stupid. Why do you guys wear the, t-? like, okay, that is ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, like we're going to move past that. But if it's kind of like a, feels like it's an attack, but it's like, it actually could be constructive or something that you might be able to work on. That's where you got to go. All right. This is kind of hurtful to hear. And, you know, maybe this isn't the sentiment of everybody else, but I just kind of need to address, you know, could I be a better coach from the situation? And I think that that's how we can always learn as coaches. Um, you know, especially if a client leaves and they're unhappy about something, right? Like not all clients say things, um, but sometimes, you know, sometimes it just wasn't a good fit, right? But if it was another thing that is something that you can control as a coach and you can change if you want to change it, I think that's really important to look at. So no matter whether it's a client or another coaching team or somebody else in the industry, it doesn't really matter who it is really detach from the emotional side of it and go, all right, is this person just talking trash or are they saying something that might actually have some truth to it that I could actively improve on? Because nobody's perfect. No coach is perfect and nor should we be expected to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to say some stupid things. We're going to do wrong things. Um, and you have to own up to that. Um, doesn't mean you need to change what you're doing every time somebody says something negative to you, because then of course you don't really have a direction or a message. But I do think that it's important to be able to detach the emotion from it and go, all right, is there something that I can learn from this? What could I do better? Um, you know, if you have a team, consult with the team, you know, discuss things and then kind of move forward that way. Yeah. I like it. You completely take the ego out and you always look, Hey, is there a way that I can get better? And that's, I mean, that's why people like, yeah, it is. And that's how you grow people that don't grow. They're, they're not able to do that. I know when Cliff and I, so my, my kind of response to this for Robert, um, Cliff and I talked about this quite a bit back when we first started out. Um, we were newer. It sounds like this guy's a little bit newer. He's starting to have some success. Cliff and I kind of went through this at the same time and we started to grow our companies and a lot of the local shows and him and I went to shows all the time for our clients still do. And you would just, our clients would do well. And then you'd have these other coaches and really what it came down to, it was a jealousy thing. So my, my response to Robert is let your work speak for yourself. Because back then I had a few, it was in a lot of NPC shows. I had some issues with some client, uh, some coaches around here that would say shit and talk about flexible dieting, how it was garbage and like really tried to run us through the, through the mud. And none of it fucking matter because one, people listening, they really don't give a shit. Like you think they do, they don't care. They've got other shit to worry about. And two, if you just do a good fucking job, like Jason said, you just handle your business. Nobody, nobody's going to give a shit in, in time, time will tell. So like, don't worry about someone trying to hurt your business. You can't knock all the buildings down to try and have the biggest building, right? You just try and build the biggest fucking building in your bulletproof. I mean, Jason, you've really had zero drama. Like, yeah, you've had some turds comment and say stupid shit, but like you never hear anyone really talking bad about you, Lauren, you're kind of the same way. It's because you guys just let your work speak for itself. Yeah, And we don't say stupid shit either. You right. know, I think a lot of times not saying that Robert did this, but there's a lot of people who get a lot of negative attention, but they also bring it upon themselves. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't want to be that person, 
don't do that. You know, don't poke the bear constantly. You know, we are online coaches who, you know, focus on different niches. Like that's what I focus on. You know what I mean? There's plenty of opinions and things that I want to share and maybe some more divisive things, but ultimately I save most of those conversations for non-online platforms because (laughs) they are not meant for online platforms. And most people don't know how to communicate in that fashion. And what Robert's probably talking about is that, you know, I mean, they might be talking in person too, but the reality is most people are very catty online and it's because you can hide behind your screen. You can say whatever you want. doesn't really matter. Um, and the communication is very different in that atmosphere. So, you know, another piece of advice for people who are starting out, you know, doesn't mean you need to be this like boring vanilla person. I certainly like plant my flag in certain issues and topics that other people don't do. And that's fine because that's actually what I believe in what we coach and, you know, talk about but I'm not going out of my way to be nasty or to be divisive and to bring that negative attention towards myself or our team. So I think that it's important for anybody starting out, like sure that might get some more that might, that's going to get more attention overall, but it's certainly going to be positive and negative attention. So just be prepared. If you go that route that you're going to have that. (laughs) Yeah. Robert, just keep doing good work, man. Let's, let's, let's get back to talking about stage that this next question is from Jackson Campbell. I like that name, Jackson. That's cool. What's the biggest mistake you see when someone is backstage that's an easy fix? And I know this is something we've been backstage either ourselves, but really a lot with clients. What's something that you see that, that happens a lot that, that you just want to like, you want to fucking fix if it's someone else or you make sure it never happens with your clients? Go ahead, Lauren. More tan. Yep. <laughs> Most people are not tan enough and they don't take the time to prep their skin in order to be tan. I am the palest person on the planet. Like, like I'm talking paper sheet white. Okay. So pale that this is fake tanner. Nobody can tell. Okay. Sad. When I get on stage, I literally, for a Saturday show, I will literally start on like a Wednesday, like prepping stuff. Like I'm not kidding. And it, that's what it requires for my body to have the right tan. And for people who don't think that that matters, it really, really does. Some people can be really pale and their skin takes it. I happen to be pale and my skin doesn't take it very well. <laughs> so in order to, you know, look the part on stage and to not be washed out and to have the right color and for everything to be even, that really enhances your physique. So take the time to do the proper pre-tanning protocol, you know, do the scrubs, do the base tan, do all the things you're supposed to do, and then build upon those coats of tan. And don't just be like, oh, I'll just slap one on and think it looks okay. It won't. Um, you know, I know it's a really aggressive tan to like try beforehand. Um, I, I literally have a free tanning guide in my Instagram bio. It's so simple. I do all my tans by hand. Um, and I recommend a lot of my clients do too. They use, I have pro tan products on there, super straightforward. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Um, and that way you're controlling it. But how many times do we go to shows and people's tans look like dirt? Like they look awful or they look green or they're streaky. And you have a client who has an amazing physique. And now it's like this patchy, weird, streaky tan. And then it, people are like, oh, that doesn't matter. It does matter because everybody pretty much looks good at shows nowadays. So if you get up there and there's five other people who have a banging physique, just like you do, but your tan is horrible, they're going to be like, this other person has everything going on, especially yeah. in the bikini division. So what about you, Jason? <laughs> so the one thing that you can easily fix on someone is bodybuilders who don't have their trunks 
sitting up in the hip grooves so that they they V because it, a lot of the times you'll see like especially newbies or people who haven't been told they'll wear them kind of like straight across and it kind of flattens it it takes away your taper whereas if you pull those those straps up into the the hip grooves you can create a better taper right away so that would be one yeah that that's an easy fix and it can make a huge difference especially if you're wide waisted like you better have that shit pulled up um yeah. guys or girls like i i see it with women too um, Leslie, if I've got clients back there, she spots it better than me because she's, she's female and that's, she will go up there and hike that shit up, especially if they're figure and make it ride really up on their, up on their hip bones to where I, I can see it and it naturally kind of sits and I don't spot it like she does, but you know, it's guys or girls. And to me, the biggest one is I always, 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 if I'm at a show, I'm putting the fucking sheen on my athletes because if you go to a show and there's a hundred competitors, and they're and they're everyone's getting their tan done by the the event tanners listen they're trying to run a hundred fucking people through there they're going to slap a little bit of shit on you they're not going to have it perfect so i actually take the time to do it myself and people can say what they want about pam i don't give a shit but my athletes i put it on them for over a fucking decade now and i do it perfect to a t with a rag but i control that so my my point to everyone is Make sure you have enough sheen on, not to where you look like a fucking glazed donut, but you should just have a little bit of a sheen, not a shine. And I just see so many people that have a little bit in the front and they'll have a little bit on one leg and not enough on the other. And it's because they're trying to get it done so fast through the event tanners. Have some kind of a sheen product with you and make sure you have it right. Um, but I control that and my people never have an issue. And I've, I'm, I've seen it make a big difference, a big difference on stage when you have the right sheen done yeah makes yeah. sense they, they smell like they smell like fried chicken the whole time but who it was like ham <laughs> well it's it's actually kind of old school but i mean it it doesn't as long as it looks good um, yeah that's just so funny i've never used that but yeah that's kind of old school jason you probably were around when that was oh yeah pam yeah oh yeah 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 I don't use it now. I mean, but yeah, that was definitely always in our bag. Yeah. I had one time a client showed up and they brought garlic Pam and I looked at him. I said, are you fucking kidding me? And they looked at it and they're like, Oh shit. I'm like, you're going with it. I'm sorry. You're going to smell like garlic fried chicken this oh, whole time, but you're going, but, but normally it's uh it's something that I control. So most people are probably like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, Let's talk about, um, okay, next question. This is the last one. And this one, we're going to spend a little bit of time on this. Stacy Fulbright asks, I've really struggled with food and what I feel is an eating disorder after doing my first competition prep. I find myself eating very clean and counting my macros four to five days in a row. And then I'll just eat myself full. I'll just kind of go off the rails. I just can't seem to get a handle on this. It's the mental side that I struggle with. I'm not really hungry. It's the mental struggle. Any, any adv advice on how I can overcome this? I put on 35 pounds from stage and just can't seem to get it under control. So is this a topic we could spend like a whole podcast on? A hundred percent. This is something that we have a lot of experience with. I, I know I personally do. Um, Lauren, I'm excited to get your take on this. Um, let's, let's talk about this. Let's, how much experience do you have with this personally, Lauren? Oh, um, personally, a lot. Right. <laughs> and I would say that this has almost become our coaching specialty. Okay. Uh, and I, you know, I've made a very marked change in the way that we coach clients with 
food flexibility and their mindset around food and their habits that they actually have. And it's been so rewarding because I, I couldn't hear one more story like this. You know what I mean? Like, I was just like, oh my God, like I, we actually need to make these changes. So first to Stacy, this is very common. Um, I think a lot of people think that they're the only person on the planet who's like dealing with this. And they think like, oh, after my show, everybody just kind of gains five pounds and their life is normal. Like, no, no, no. There are so many things to take into consideration, but most likely, and this is what I see a lot. And I'm sure you guys see this too this client will have done many, many diets or many, many preps before they got to this place. They may have used their preps to lose weight. This is very common and it's very unfortunate, <laughs> but many people get uncomfortable with their body and they go, oh, let me just use a prep to get back to where I want to be. I can do that. Da, da, da. You've had all this dieting history, all these slowed, you know, the slower metabolism, all the metabolic and hormonal adaptations. And then mentally, they're in a really, really bad place because one, they've now dieted for a show because they want to look a certain way, not because they want to be a competitive athlete. Two, they've been judged on a physique by strangers. That can be really damaging to people. And then three, they probably don't have a good relationship with food to begin with. And then you took a lot of it away and you got to a central level body fat. It's a whole shit show. So for this person, I know that they've already gained weight and they've already got gained an uncomfortable amount of weight. And that is hard. And I get it. That's happened to me before. I, there's so many times after a prep that I'm just at this place and I'm like, oh, I would do anything to lose weight right now. But you can't. This is the worst time to try to diet again. And actually what I see is really, really useful, particularly in this situation where the person says, oh, I eat super clean four to five days a week. And then I just totally go off the rails. They are probably not eating enough during the week and they're most likely under eating during the week and then they're going over and that does not net out in the same way as if we just increased calories across the board. And you tell this to that client and they freak out because they're like, I don't want to gain any more weight. And I'm like, listen, you're not going to be actually eating anymore. You're just going to be spreading it out differently. And there's going to be less of a psychological toll on this person. So the first thing that I would say is one, understand that this is normal. Two, understand that you're not going to change your body for a little while. Um, and you're, you, you, you made this bed, you're in it, you got to deal with it and we're going to get out of it, but it's dieting is not the answer here. And then three, the first thing that I honestly would do is bring their food up during the week, add in, you know, again, this is going to be a very nuanced coaching question, depending on the person, um, you know, but add in some, you know, mindset strategies, add in some stress perception strategies likely suggest, Hey, you know, this could be a deeper issue. We might, you know, recommend them to a therapist, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's a lot of things there, but one of the first things to do is understand you probably need to eat more during the week and we need to slowly back out of tracking so rigidly. Yeah. I, I have a question for both of you, Jason. Uh, but first though, what do you, what do you have to add to that? You know what? Like that's the first thing that came to my mind when I read the question, like, you know, she's not eating enough on those five days because then she binges on the other two. So, I mean, Lauren hit it right on the head. And then, so, you know, and she also mentioned right now where she's put on uncomfortable amount of weight. She really hasn't worked her metabolism back into a good spot. So even if she tried to diet, she's probably just going to cause more problems and you get more down regulation and different things of that nature. So at this point, you know, she needs to develop good habits and not beat herself up so much for the binges and move forward with a plan where like Lauren says, she's getting more calories in every day. 
And then, you know, don't beat yourself up if you have a treat here and there and, you know, things like that. It's post-show, like it happens, but she's going to have to find a rhythm to get into here or the cycle is going to keep, you know, perpetuating itself. Yeah. I noticed too in the, in the question, she said she eats really, really clean for four to five days. And that's something to where, yeah, we all want to try and eat as clean as we can, but don't, and I get this from clients they're like, I'm afraid to, to bake. I always tell them, bake in some stuff that you're craving, have some fruity pebbles or just make some pancake, do something once a day to just kind of like start to reintroduce foods that you want. And my clients always say at first when they're in this situation, they're like, I'm so scared. It's going to make me binge as soon as I eat it, because that's where the, that's what they fear that they have some sugar and they're going to start freaking out. And I just try and tell them, and this is my question to you guys over time, you will start to get better, but you have to start developing that because this isn't working. My question to you guys is, and I know the answer to this, but I want us to talk about it over time, whether it was yourself or your clients, do you just feel like you get a better handle on this over time, the more you do it? Because I see this more when people first diet, whenever I dieted for my first shows, I lost my fucking mind when I was done. I was trying to eat super clean and I just lost my mind. It was this really big back and forth. And as time went on and I got more time under my belt and I got more comfortable with it, it it's never a problem anymore. So do you feel like this is something that's solved with time? It can be. Um, but I do I don't think that this is only for beginners. And I'll say that from my own personal experience too, because I know that there, even as an advanced athlete who competed for many years, there was still, I very much struggled with a lot of these things, even after my last season, like I've been competing for almost eight years. Like, it's not like I, this was my first rodeo. Um, and I think part of it is simply the, well, not rather, not simply, <laughs> it's very complicated, but it, it's not anything that's so, it's like, okay, diet history how long have you been doing this, right? Were you dieting beforehand? Have you done six competition prep seasons? Um, you know, there's a lot of that going on. Like, where is your body? Because if you, if that's you at the end of all this, your body is immediately going to go, okay, we're just gaining a bunch of weight and particularly a bunch of fat. Like nobody is set up to be in a good spot after that, especially if you are natural. Um, you know, and even if you're not, that's not like a, a cakewalk either but it's, you know, you're going to have a lot more muscle loss as a natural competitor. So that's one thing, right? Diet history, kind of just where you are at the end of all that. Um, the other thing too, is that I don't think, I think that for particularly women, um, and not always, because obviously men deal with this as well, but I think women deal with it a little bit differently. When people get really, really lean, whether it is intended or not, a lot of times there are more compliments given to you when you're very lean, right? Um, not even if people, people might not even like what you look like, right? They might be like, oh my God, you look so skinny. But the, oh my God, look at your abs. Like you look so crazy. You look, people are just commenting on the extremeness yep. of all of it. And people get used to that kind of feedback. They get used to getting leaner every week. They get used to having more compliments, whether it's on social media or whether it's in person. And then it all culminates with a show where you are judged on your looks, right? And if somebody goes into that and they don't have the right self-confidence in themselves, that can crush a lot of people. You know, we all train for first place, but only one person wins, right? If you go into this and you are mentally not in the best place and you get last call-outs, right? For some people, 
I've gotten last calls. I'm like, well, you know, it happens, right? Because I'm mentally sound and secure in myself outside of competing. There was a time though when I wasn't, right? Where I felt like, oh, I have to live up to this image. I have to compete. I have to do this. And it becomes very, very taxing. So there's a lot of different ways that competing is psychologically damaging to people. And it really just kind of depends on where they're at. So I think that regardless of where you are in your journey, as far as if it's your first show or if it's your 15th show, it can still have these mental repercussions and it can still be just as hard. Um, I mean, yes, certainly it gets a little bit easier. Okay. I know what it feels like to be really hungry afterwards, but again, if you're not in the right place before the diet and then, you know, exiting it, it can, it can be really be tough on you no matter how long you've been doing this. Yeah. Jason, you have anything to add to that? Not on that. No, I'm good. Yeah. I just, I, I tell people quite a, quite a bit that I see in person, they're talking about doing a show. I, I do warn them about the issues that you can develop with food and it doesn't mean it's going to stay forever. But for most people I do see, even when I diet, if I diet hard now, like I don't diet for staging more, but if I diet really hard, even if it's just for like six weeks, I have a small mental rebound where I just want to say, fuck it and eat. And it doesn't matter what I do. It's always there. It's not an extreme thing, but it's part of the dieting process. And I tell everybody like it's, it's science or reaction. There's an equal and opposite reaction. And, and if I restrict real hard, there's going to be a period where I swing back the other way. And that's just me. And I don't feel like I'm weak for it, but I'm telling you 99% of the people I know, they, they deal with that on some level. So I just tell people the more extreme the, the diet and the restriction, the more extreme you might swing back the other way. Uh, Jason, you've had a pretty good handle on this man for like really the last 10 years you're a little bit different than, than most of the other people. Um, you seem to be a little bit more bulletproof to it. Why do you think that is? Is it, is it something that you've developed? Is that something you help people with? I'm old as fuck. And I've been doing this for years. You know, I mean, I remember my first show, like I remember we went, I was with my girlfriend. We stopped at someone's house. I don't know who the fuck it was, but I ate like a whole like um, thing of Skittles that was out in like a, um, a, a bowl. And I just fucking mowed through them. Like, I don't do that shit anymore. Like I, I you know, I, I think at the end of the day, I know that just because I dieted, I am not entitled to then go eat like junk and shit because that's not how I want to look. That's not what I want to be. And I don't really crave it anymore. So I think it came with time, to be honest with you. Like post show, I'm cool with the steak, maybe some French fries. And then the next day I'm kind of back on my food, man. Like I just don't like junk. So um, but that wasn't always the way it was. So honestly, I think it's time spent doing it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Lauren, I, I have a question for you, unless you had something to add to that, but I have a question for I you. I just need to add to that. Um, one thing I do see a lot is that the people who have more diet side effects, it's very body fat mediated. So the farther that you're going, the farther that you're getting leaner from your kind of set point or settling point the harsher the adaptations seem to be. So for people who naturally sit pretty lean and struggle to build muscle, but they get lean fairly easily, I find that they kind of don't have as many issues, right? Whereas if I'm dieting somebody down 30 pounds for a show prep, like a female, not a male, like a normal sized female, they're generally going to have more of a rebound. And that's just because their body sits at a higher body fat. It's not anything that's right or wrong. It's just is what it is. And they seem to hit, be hit a little bit harder with these dieting adaptations, particularly afterwards. And I know that also because that's me, you know? So it's, it's one of those things that I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm an endomorph, but I'm certainly not an ectomorph. I'm just kind of average in the middle, but I hold on to weight 
and I do have to diet, you know, fairly aggressively to get stage lean. And I know a lot of my clients who are in that position kind of have that. So I think a lot of it's just body fat mediated and the farther that you're going from your settling point, the more adaptations that you're going to have. Yeah. One thing I talk about in one of my presentations at the upcoming seminar in Tampa is I've noticed this over time. I've noticed, and you guys talked about it. You feel like she's probably eating very low calories for four to five days, and then she ends up binging and overeating. And I've noticed when people do that for like, say six days, and then they have these massive fucking days of just overeating, their metabolism stays low for slow for six days because they're on low calories. And it doesn't matter how much fat they've added to their body. They're still only eating. Maybe it's a thousand calories a day or 1200. So when they do eat, you're like, no, (laughs) right. So then when they do eat, it sticks to them a lot easier. And I've noticed when people get their calories up, like you guys are talking about, then they do go have a meal off plan here or there. It doesn't stick to them because their metabolic rates at a good place. And I'm going to talk more about that in our seminar. Lauren, my question for you was, so remember back to like when this happened to you, right? And you got at your very heaviest and you just wanted to diet. How long was it until you felt like things just started to naturally kind of come back off as far as like, your body fat started to go. Did you see that? Did you see your body fat start to naturally go back down as you started to get things under control? And because I want us to talk about this because it's not an overnight fucking fix. Like this is a patience thing. And I hate this situation with clients because it's so hard for them because they have to be fucking patient. So what'd that look like for you? So just a little background. I started actively restricting my calories when I was very young. Let's say like eight-ish, like literally. Wow. Um, not, you know, hardcore, but just kind of started, oh, I just won't eat this much here, not as much here. Developed into full-blown anorexia for many years. Um, finally recovered as a teenager. All good. Um, you know, but still was obviously very health conscious, tight on my food, likely restricting, right? Very active, doing sports, all that. Then I get into bodybuilding. So then I go into these phases of dieting, not dieting, diet, not right. So at the end of my last competition prep, I had done several seasons as an amateur and as a pro. And I finally said, like, my tank was, for all intents and purposes, completely drained. And I said, I am just letting whatever is going to happen, happen. <laughs> I am, I'm done for right now. And I'm just going to eat and live my life and see what happens. And it took about a year to feel normal again. And that was and I'm not suggesting people do this or whatever, but this is what I did. No tracking, um, you know, just kind of eating. And I would say at about 18 months, I finally felt like I feel good. So it was a long time. And I'm actually ironically at a weight that previously was so much heavier for me, like so heavy, but I look better now. So, you know, weight's always relative. So I, can't even really go off of weight necessarily, but um, I would say that, yeah, after all of these years of dieting, when I finally said, all right, I'm not engaging in a calorie deficit, I'm going to train, I have goals outside of, you know, fitness and all this stuff, building my business and whatever it else it might be. And here I am now, several years removed from all that, and I finally feel normal. And it's a really great feeling. And it's just, but it took a lot of time and I had to have other goals in there during that period. Because if I didn't, if I was just like, when's the next time I'm going to, I'm going to diet. When am I going to get on stage again? I would have been a nightmare. So for clients who are struggling with this, 
what I really encourage them is, all right, we need to have some outside goals that are outside of your physique. And honestly, a lot of times it needs to be outside of fitness goals. You know, like I love setting training goals for people and, you know, all these other things, right? Like, oh yeah, go do a yoga class or go do this or try a sport, whatever. But even that's like a fitness thing. It's like, hey, why don't we have like another goal too? Um, And I always say that my clients who have careers that are completely outside of fitness always do the best. Not always. I mean, obviously there's exceptions everywhere, but I find that those people do really well because it's not what they're thinking about 24 seven, you know, like they have all these other things. They got a regular, regular job. They got a family, they got all this stuff going on. And they're like, okay, I'm going to make my food. I'm going to eat. I'm going to train. I'm going to do everything. But it's not the only thing they're focused on. Yeah. Jason, um, there's a big difference when people can turn around and diet again, when they're in that situation, if you would talk to people about the difference in guys being able to turn around and diet some of this back off and the difference in time with, with girls, because it's, you know, obviously we've got natural versus assisted, but we're assuming a natural athlete right now. Um, or just gen pop client. There's a big difference in, in when they can turn around. Is that what you're seeing on your end? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we know this. I mean, the, most of the hormonal issues I see that come to me are 90, 95% women. Um, it just seems like men's bodies. We know that a natural man, his testosterone over the course of a 16 week diet plummets. We know it gets into the 200, especially if they're like properly stage lean, but it seems like more men's systems recover from reverse dieting and just putting a little body fat back on. For some reason you see women's systems that they were even reverse dieted, right? Then they get to that situation where a coach tries to diet them. They can't respond. Um, it just doesn't always work as well for women. So, you know, what's the point here is that a man's system comes back online faster. So sure. Like if they put a little bit more on post show and maybe they're two months at post, maybe they can diet a little bit more. Um, but I'll be honest with you. I've seen men take six months to get their testosterone back too. So, um, you know, it's just really comes down to our systems are a little less complicated. Like, you know, I mean, there's, there's more going on with the females endocrine system. So, um, that's kind of where you're at. You know, that's why it's really important for a female post show to at least use some form of reverse dieting. Um, you know, I have some men that I can add 200 carbs to right away. I mean, I'm kind of like that and I'm, I'm not going to really get fat. Um, but not everyone's like that. You know, you got to add 10 to 20 slowly work cardio down, you know, things like that. So it just comes down to, I believe, um, the more complex of the system and, you know, you just see more women with, with these problems. Yeah. I just, I want us to hit on there's, there's definitely a difference. And if you're a female, you're just going to have to be more patient than a guy. Like if you and your husband have dieted down, like don't try and compare yourself to him. I get that when I, when I diet couples down all the time, he's losing faster. He's not gaining fat back as fast. I'm like, listen, it, it just, you, like Jason said, your system's a little more complicated. Like it's there to make babies and do all these things. And we're interrupting that. So um, that, that was a really, really good topic. Lauren, do you have anything else that you want to add to that before we close it down? Last thing I would add is that no good habits are built during a deficit. So you really need to take time before a diet to set those things up properly. A lot of people focus on the diet or the competition prep, and they don't necessarily worry about what they're doing beforehand. They go, oh, I just need to get leaner. Yeah, yeah, you do need to get leaner. But you also need to have these habits in place and your mindset in the proper place to be able to handle a diet and especially handle a contest prep. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Lauren, I, you're welcome back on the show anytime you want. I've those of us as coaches, like we know what people know. And like, I've got you right up there at the very, very tippy top guys. So check out our show notes, give her a follow, listen to her podcast. She puts out great content on social, um, her and her whole team. So, and then if you're in Tampa, come check us all out. It's going to be fun. Everything's in the show notes. Um, any shout outs that you want to give to anyone, Lauren, before we shut it down, put you on the spot here. I'm so bad on the spot. I don't know. I, I, I like <laughs> That's why I did it. Actually, that's not true. I don't like everybody. Um, I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of weird people in the world right now. So. Well, it'll it'll be pretty soon. We can all be reunited and have a fun Q and A, and that's that's fun to actually record that in person while we're getting questions. In person's always better, so I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I think. And real quick, if we don't, let's talk about in person conferences. We've all been such a huge part of those. Lauren, how important have those been to you over your career to make connections and stuff like that? They're, I'll say, I am a super extrovert. So like I get, like I thrive off of that kind of stuff. Right. right. Um, but even though I'll take that bias out of it, <laughs> even if you think that you're super introverted and you don't want to be around people and you're getting really nervous, doesn't matter. An in-person event is always going to be better for learning. In my opinion, I've listened and learned. I've gone to so many events in person and the, I don't just show up to events. I've obviously followed the people who you know, are putting these events on. I've listened to their content. I've been a part of their stuff, but I still wanted to go in person and in person was always exponentially better than anything else. Even if it was like a similar message, just the way that you synthesize information in person and not just that you're also getting to connect with people, um, you know, be social, actually meet real people face to face. Like it is such a amazing experience. We had a team meetup. I've never done one of these. And we had one in October and we had about 15 clients come in. It was just a little small thing. Um, and it was just a few days of hanging out. Most of the people had never met each other before. Like did not, not met. They talked briefly on social, but more, you know, talking every day. It was like, they were all best friends and it was the coolest thing to just see people like, Oh my gosh, it was so great to like, just be with people in person who, you know, like what I like, get what I'm doing. We can all talk about this. And like, it was just so amazing. Um, and I think that we can all appreciate that with in-person events, like how much they really mean to, you know, us all connecting and moving forward and just learning more. Yeah. And you make huge connections and friendships. I mean, I, shit, you're sitting here on this podcast and you and I have, I've been on yours because of, of the physique summit and other conferences that we've all been a part of. Jason's the same way. So I just try and tell people don't hesitate to go to a conference, whether it's this one or the summit or any of that, or anything else that you can go to, because you never know who you're going to do business with down the road. Like you can meet some really important people. Um, so I highly, highly recommend it. Anything else you want to add Jason before we close it down? No, I, I think it was a good Q and a man. I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. Yeah. We've got a, we've got another, uh, yeah, that's, listen, we covered everything good. Then we've got another one coming up next week, Jason, you and I do, it's going to be a Q and a over blood work. So I've been compiling a lot of questions as people have listened to our stuff yep. over the last year. You know, we've got some really good questions on some odd stuff that people see on labs. So stay tuned for that. Um, for myself, Lauren and Jason, we're out of here. Thanks guys. Yeah. Yeah.